I'm Jonathan Mosen and this is episode 3 of the Mosen at Large podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be hearing from you and me about what's coming up in the Apple event and what you're hoping for and things that your parents said to you when you were a kid. Some that were true, some annoying. Mosen at Large If you'd like to be in touch with us, you can drop me an email with an audio attachment or you could just write something down. Jonathan at MushroomFM.com is my email address. You can call the listener line as well, 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. We're going to be talking about a couple of main themes today. One is sayings that your parents or perhaps other adults in your life said to you when you were kids. And they could be cliches that a lot of people say, sayings that have somehow been passed on throughout the generations, or they may be unique to your family. One of the most popular ones is the thing about they're starving in wherever, so finish what's on your plate, which is one that will come up, I think, in a number of the contributions that you'll hear today. In John Lennon's Nobody Told Me, it was they're starving back in China, so finish what you got. And um, as people will point out, I think, it's an extraordinarily weird thing to say, isn't it? Because how does filling yourself up beyond your capacity or eating food that you don't like make an iota of difference? I'm not sure what measurement an iota actually is, but, you know, how does it make a, a modicum? Modicum, that's another good measurement. What is a modicum of difference to the starving children wherever they may be? That's an interesting one. My friend Mark Wilson, he had a classic one, actually. I remember Mark's dad somewhat uh, frustratingly said, or somewhat frustrated with Mark, which was pretty easy to do. It was pretty easy to get frustrated with Mark. Mark's dad said, the world doesn't owe you a living, which is a pretty popular one. But he kind of ran it together like he does, you know, like like people do. The world doesn't owe you a living. And so Mark thought that his dad had said, the world doesn't know you're living. And so Mark, who, who was a very young whippersnapper at the time, said, the world does so know I'm living. Yeah. He also coined the phrase, you know, Mark would always want to know what's for dinner. And Mark's mother would always say, wait and see. So one day he came back with wait and blind which he thought was pretty witty for, you know, six-year-old or whatever it was. Wait and blind. Anyway, I'm sure we hear lots of interesting little sayings. I want to say hi to a few people. We're also going to be talking about iOS 13, about the Apple event, which is happening on the 10th of September US time at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Eastern time. And it's called By Innovation Only. That's the little tagline that they're putting on the invitations that have gone out to the journalists and the other elites who get to go to this Apple event. The rest of us just sit in the cheap seats with our Apple TVs or our devices and listen in. So we're going to be talking a bit about what you can expect, what you would like to see. And I'll just put it out there right now. What I would like to see in the next iPhone, and we're going to have three. We're going to have the iPhone 11, which will replace the iPhone 10R. We're going to have the iPhone 11 Pro, which will replace what we currently call the iPhone 10. Are you still with me? And then we're going to have the iPhone 11 Pro Max, which will replace the iPhone 10s Max. Did I say 10? 10s Max, yeah. So th- th- these models will all replace the 10s. Uh, what we don't know is whether the 10s will then go off the market uh, like they did with the 10 last year or whether they'll hang around in the range and come in a little bit cheaper. 
What I would like to see is a is a humble Apple, a humble Apple backing down and giving us a phone with the headphone jack back. Absolutely right, John. And I'll tell you why. I was getting ready to put this show together today. And I've got my iPhone connected because I thought if time permits and if I'm kind of feeling in the groove, I might just show you a couple of things about which I am particularly excited in iOS 13. And they're already up to iOS 13.1, which is a very strange thing because iOS 13 hasn't even been released yet. And they're putting out builds of iOS 13.1. That's never happened before. So I'm not sure what's going on there and what we will see in terms of the released build of iOS when it finally comes out the week after this coming one, but I guess that will become clear with the Apple event. So I thought I'd demonstrate this. To do that, of course, I have to plug in my iPhone into the mixer. And yesterday I was busy in here doing some work and I had my iPhone plugged into the mixer and I quickly you know, ran out of the studio with my phone Somewhere along the line, the little dinky lightning adapter that plugs into the end of one of the cables that I have um, for my mixer has gotten lost. And I rushed into the studio about 15 minutes before I started putting the show together, ready to plug in my iPhone to the mixer. And the stupid little lightning adapter thing had disappeared. So it's not only a pain in the jolly old machine for people with older hearing aid technology. Um, it's it's also uh, a real pain for those of us who connect the things to the mixer. So I had to run upstairs, find a spare Lightning to 3.5 adapter. Apple must be making a lot from those adapters. And do you know that the Lightning to 3.5 adapter is actually the number one selling Apple product? If you go to Best Buy and those places and you look at the stats in terms of which is the number one selling Apple product. It is that one. Ridiculous, isn't it? The number one selling Apple product. So uh, I've just had to use another one. And I said to Bonnie, help, help. I've got to be on soon. Can you please um, unbox this for me? Because it's actually surprisingly a pain in the jolly old machine, or a pain in the machine uh, to unbox one of those things. And uh, she came down with it. Now I've got a fresh Lightning to 3.5 adapter connected to my mixer because I can't find the other one. It's really annoying. It's such a such an important thing. See, I'm still rummaging around looking for where it might have gone. It's annoying. If I had more time, I would have called Ira and asked them to uh, help me find it. But it was just easier because I knew I had a spare one. So yes, God, give us a headphone jack, mates. Give us a headphone jack. But we'll also talk some more about what you are likely to see. You are you are highly unlikely to see an iPhone announced with a headphone jack. Highly unlikely. Jonathan Mosin, Mosin at Large Podcast. Shane Jackson in Alabama. He concurs with my view that iOS 13, whatever we get, is a good iOS release. And it is. It is a really awesome iOS release. And I think what this version of iOS goes to show is Apple have been in this game now for so long. You know, we're now at the 10th anniversary of uh, voiceover. And so what you have is a very mature product. And that's allowing them to take some time to really think about the little things to do with the user experience. They've gone well beyond the how do we make a touchscreen viable for blind people phase 
onto little tweaks, little kind of things that Apple's famous for, for sighted people, just tiny things that make a difference. For example, you will notice in iOS 13 that the pause between when a prompt finishes speaking and when you get the voiceover hint is just slightly smaller and it just makes for a smoother experience. Most of the gestures, with the exception of the really basic ones like flicking left and right and double tapping, are customizable now. So you can create your own gesture set. You can assign all sorts of keyboard commands if you use a Bluetooth keyboard to different functions. So if you have a particular screen reader preference and another operating system and you want to emulate that user interface as closely as possible, you can absolutely do that now if you take the time to do it. And of course, they, they, they gave us a little dabbling into this a while ago with the, the Braille work, and now it's been extended to gestures and keyboard commands. You can express a preference for which sounds you would like to hear in iOS, which I think is fantastic. So when I'm reading a book, and I read a lot of books in Kindle or Apple books, I don't really want to hear that little high-pitched sound it makes when it changes pages. I've now been able to turn that off. I've also been able to turn some of the sounds off when I'm flicking around, but keep the sounds on that help me with awareness of what's going on, like when a new dialogue pops up on the screen or something like that. So before you had a a rotor option or an option in voiceover settings where you could turn sounds on and off. Um, now you, you've got granular control over precisely which sounds are on and off. The TuneIn radio support, actually, I think they've bundled a number of providers in iOS 13. So, for example, I can say to my friend Siri, play Mushroom FM radio station. I'm on it, playing Mushroom FM. Uh, you can express a preference. Oh for my which goodness, sounds. who's that on there? Go away. Yeah, so you can do that with a lot of radio stations on, on TuneIn now. One of the most amazing features in iOS 13 is the voice commands feature. And no, voice control, it's called. See, I get into trouble with Siri for getting the terminology wrong. Voice control, it's easy to set up and it gives you hints as you go along. And it allows you to control your phone fully with your voice. I mean, fully. And initially, Apple was kind of downplaying the importance of the voice control feature for blind people. Then I think they realized that for those people who are struggling with touchscreens, this is actually quite a significant breakthrough. And so they've actually added a bunch of voiceover specific functions to voice control. So you can do, for example, voiceover read all. So I will say, turn on voice control. Okay, I turned on voice control. Go home. Home, messages. Double tap to open. Use 3D touch to show home screen actions. Swipe right. Settings. Double tap to open. Use 3D touch to show home screen actions. Swipe right. Smart home folder. Six apps. Double tap. Double tap to open. Use 3D touch to show home. Opening smart home folder. Smart home. Heading. Swipe right. Double tap and hold to start home. Double tap to open. Use Swipe 3D right. Touch to show home screen actions. View. Recently updated. Double tap Swipe to open. Swipe right. Use 3D touch to show home screen. RSC plus. Swipe Double right. Tap to open. Use 3D touch. Ring. Recently updated. Go home. Double tap to open. Use 3D touch. Closing smart home folder. Smart home folder. Open Sonos. Double tap to open. Use. Sonos. In, in progress. Searching for Sonos on your Wi-Fi. Voice over select my Sonos. 
My Sonos. Tab. One of five. Double tap. Selected. My Sonos. Tab. One of five. Voice over screen curtain. Screen curtain off. Voice over screen curtain. Screen curtain on. Swipe left. Play button. Swipe left. Resume from Amazon Alexa. Swipe left. Tune in live radio. Image. Very sharp. Voice over read all. Tune in live radio. Image. Resume from Amazon Alexa. Voice over pause. Selected. My sonus. Tab. One of five. Browse. Voice over stop. Rooms. Tab. Three. Try. Voice over stop speaking. Voice over stop speaking. So there's a quick look at voice control on iOS 13. You simply set it up by going into settings and accessibility and then choosing voice control. You'll have to download the voice control files. The language it supports at the moment is US English, but there's a lot you can do with this. You can navigate apps, you can select text, you can dictate. It's remarkable, particularly for those with physical disabilities, but I also think it'll be a boom for anyone who just wants to work hands-free, for those who don't find the touchscreen particularly intuitive. And some people may find that, although it will take some time to get used to the syntax, people will. And it could be a real game changer. So it's an exciting piece of technology to play with in iOS 13. And I've been using it on the treadmill, for example, so I can keep both hands moving or on the bars, whatever I need to do, and get through Twitter that way. When you go into the voice control settings, you can actually review all of the commands that exist and you can create your own. So by studying what's in the settings of voice control, you can really quickly understand its power. And as you heard there, when I was struggling to get voice control to do what I wanted, it tries to help me out. It pops up with a little hint from time to time as I get familiar. So very, very well implemented, particularly given that this is a first version of this technology from Apple. Susan and Ben Constantini said they're going to miss reading the iOS without the iBook. I must admit, when I put iOS 13 on my iPad a few weeks ago, iPad OS, of course, because they've slightly separated it out now, and there's been a lot of love paid to the iPad in this release. I was so inspired. I, I said to Bonnie, boy, I wish I had time to write the book. But I don't. You've got to be realistic about these things. Peggy and Dan and Sweetie are in Sacramento and California. Peggy's mum would say... If you're going to dance, you've got to pay the fiddler. Peggy's grandma used to say, if you don't like my gait, you don't have to swing on it. Gino J talking about sayings, he says, how about it takes two to tango? The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And the worst one, kill two birds with one stone. How cruel. Yes, well, that's right. That is quite cruel. And of course, the other one is there are multiple ways to skin a cat, I think. That's that's like another expression that people use. Where does that come from? And why do you want to skin a cat? That's a horrible idea. There are lots of those ones. You know, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And um, I remember when um, I eventually started going out with the girl who became the mother of my children, Another piece of advice I got was don't change horses in midstream, which was a very interesting expression because, you know, I mean, do you really want to compare my former pretty ex-girlfriend to a horse? Andy, he's listening. 
And he says that he feels like almost like there's too much going on with Apple at the moment. Whatever happened to the simplicity that Apple once had, he said that he also has lost the lightning adapter. He hates the lightning adapter. He lost one on a plane. He doesn't even know how he did that. The other thing about the lightning adapters, too, is they're not particularly durable. I've been through so many of those lightning adapters over the years. Jonathan Mosen. There's a lot of talk about Apple introducing a competitor to Tile. It's very interesting. If you are familiar with Tile, it's a series of devices that you can buy and they help you track things. So whenever I travel, I put a Tile in my luggage and then I can use the Tile app to find out where my luggage is. And you can page it and it will ring, make a kind of a chiming sound with my hearing and in a noisy airport I often find that quite difficult to hear but it is kind of comforting if you're getting some assistance to retrieve your bag from the baggage carousel and you're having some trouble convincing the person that your bag is there you can confidently check with Tile and you can say I know for a fact that the bag is in the vicinity because my Tile app is telling me so. So it's very useful. Now, Apple have an app in iOS 13, which is called Find My. And at the moment, it combines two former apps, the Find My Friends app and also the Find My iPhone. And so when you go into the Find My app, it's got a couple of tabs at the bottom, one for people that you've added to your Find Friends, the Stalker app. It's kind of like the Marauder's Map of Apple, isn't it? You know, you could, from Harry Potter, you can see where everybody is. So you've got that tab. And then you've got the Devices tab, which shows you where devices either that you have or are a part of your family sharing circle are. So it's very useful to have it all combined in the one app. There's a suggestion that Apple is almost ready to announce. I've been working on this for a while, and the speculation is it could be announced as early as this coming event. They're getting ready to announce their tile competitor. We don't know whether they're going to sell these tiles or whether they're going to really delve into the whole subscription model that Apple's been passionately pursuing of late and um, get you to subscribe to the service, and then they'll basically give you the the little devices as long, as long as you remain subscribed. So we'll have to see how that goes. The interesting thing to watch if they do go ahead and announce this at this Buy Innovation Only event is the extent to which the new iPhones will make this experience better because some analysts are suggesting there's a new wideband technology that's being introduced only to the new iPhones which will not necessarily restrict your use of these tile competitors to the new iPhones, but it would substantially improve the performance of them to the point that you would be able to find your device. You know, you could attach one of these things to keys, to potentially your guide dog. I know people who do attach tiles to their guide dog's harnesses or, or collars in case the guide dog does a runner. You know, some guide dogs do. So not only could you sort of find them roughly in the area, but you can be absolutely precise about where that device is right to the the very square inch with this new wideband technology that is rumored to be in the new iPhone 11 devices. Because the iPhone 11 devices are pretty 
I don't know, at the moment, they don't seem particularly big on the refresh stakes. They've got a triple lens camera at the back, so I suppose we all may benefit from even better uh, camera stabilization in low lighting conditions. But physically, it looks like they're going to be the same, roughly, as the last couple of years in terms of their form factor. So it's kind of like, yeah, so far, a bit of a yawny refresh. There's no 5G in these iPhones, by the way. 5G is expected next year. So if you've been hanging out thinking, I'll upgrade to the new iPhone and take advantage of the 5G that's rolling out, not this year, sorry. So this tile competitor, I think, could be a really interesting one to watch, particularly for blind people who want to locate things. The big advantage that Apple has with this tile competitor is the sheer number of Apple devices that exist. Because what happens is, if you lose your thing, let's say that you get off the plane and you find that you have arrived in a particular city, but your luggage has not. In that eventuality, with Tile, what happens is that you can generally track down where your luggage is as long as somebody else with the Tile app is in the vicinity of your luggage. It's kind of like this peer-to-peer network running in the background. Well, there are a lot more people with Apple devices than there are people with the Tile app. So it would mean that you have a very high chance of finding anything that's lost pretty much anywhere in the world. And with this wideband new finding technology on the new iPhones, as I say, you know exactly, I mean, exactly where it is. So imagine how wonderful it would be if you have one of these little devices on your guide dog's collar and it does a runner on you, you would be able to know exactly where that dog is. I mean, exactly, if you have the new iPhone. So we're not sure about whether Apple's ready to announce it. We know Apple's been working on this for ages And we think it's close. We think it could be as close as this Apple event. And that will be really interesting to watch. Beth has sent us an email to jonathan at mushroomfm.com with an audio attachment. It's marvelous what these blind people can do these days, you know. Hello, Jonathan and everybody. This is Beth. By the way, just as an explanation, my username is Snowbunny. Boy, little snow would feel good right about now. Because um, I got Serotech, which you can find out more about at Serotech, S-E-R-O-T-E-K.com. Well, I'm going to send them the bill for the ad now. It's yeah. a um, system for the PC with a network and a screen reader. But I got Serotech in the winter several years ago. So my username is Snowbunny. Oh, so there. That's a nice username. Um, I'm listening with great interest to podcast number two. I love your sound effects, by the way. (laughs) And your discussion of ketogenic, you know, that's really interesting. I am not into that, but I'm very fascinated to learn about things, even when I'm not into them. So how did you get started on the ketogenic diet? I have heard that people with epilepsy have used it to great advantage. But what was your uh, deciding factor to go keto? Well, let me pause you so I can answer that question, Beth. My deciding factor was I did a lot of reading and a lot of research inspired by the fact that heart disease does run 
on both sides of my family. And a few years ago, and I talked about this a little bit in the podcast series that Glenn Gordon did with me, where he interviewed me. Um, it's called In the Arena, and you can scroll back in the same feed that the Mosin at Large podcast is in and hear this. I kind of went through this debugging phase where I kind of objectively looked at things I wanted to improve. And I had a look at uh, eating and lifestyle. And it seems to me, somebody said that, I think it might have been Dr. Mark Hyman said this in a book that I was reading. And I was really struck by this. He said, food is one of two things. It's either medicine or it's poison. And whenever you eat a bite of food, you have to decide which one it is, and take the consequences. And it's true, isn't it? I mean, if you eat a slice of cake or, you know, sugary type things or drink a, a, a soda, you know it's poison, right? It's full of sugar and horrible things, and it's not doing you any good at all in the long term. It's not doing your body any good. If you eat some something fresh, unprocessed, home-cooked, or you've recently prepared in a good kitchen with real ingredients, you know it's medicine. So that very simple, is it medicine or is it poison thing, really helped me a lot. I actually tried the vegan thing for a while, and I read a book called The China Study, which got me really interested, and um, I tried the, the vegan lifestyle. And um, what I found that I was hungry all the time, and that vegan stuff is not necessarily healthy. I mean, you can be a healthy vegan, you've got to be very careful with your iron intake and a few things that it's quite hard to get if you don't eat meat. Uh, you can you can supplement and you can do a few things. And I think that the thing that all of these eating plans have in common is making sure that you eat real food and that you everybody agrees you should steer away from uh, sodas and sugary things and stuff like that, which has been a little bit harder for me as I've been going around in my new job as a CEO and I go around to the various offices that uh, are in my organization, and it's very sort of humbling. And people think it's a big deal when the CEO comes to visit and they go to some trouble. And so I'm ready to say, I don't eat such and such. But then when somebody says, we've made this triple chocolate fudge thing, especially for you, it's kind of rude, rude to say no, isn't it? So I've had to be polite and you know, consume some of this stuff, but I feel so much worse for it. It's amazing how much better you feel when you look after yourself. Uh, and I've been sort of reaping the consequences of that. So I read a lot of literature about the two conflicting views, and the science just made sense to me. The idea that when your body is deprived of energy and food, which is what carbohydrates are, your body has to function. So it converts fat into energy. Your, your, your body is smart. So you go into ketosis and your body converts all that fat that's stored into energy so your body can keep going. It's genius. What a clever thing the human body is. Not only epilepsy, Beth, but also it is increasingly being demonstrated to be the case that um, type 2 diabetes can be cured in some cases, completely reversed, completely cured by a ketogenic diet. That's pretty exciting, especially in this community, I think. So yeah, the results are in, man. I mean, the results are in. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic way to eat and to feel, and I just feel so much better for it. I don't think I'd be able to put as much energy into the show and do the job I'm now doing without it. Back to you, Ben. Working out, dude. I'm glad you found coffee that you can like. 
Yes, bulletproof coffee. Very keto. And um, in terms of flashbulb moments... Oh, yes. I would say that one of them was the Challenger explosion. I was at work doing medical transcription in a hospital, and somebody came in. I don't remember if she was a coworker or not, but she came in and told us about it. Regarding what I talked about last time about things being efficient, what is your thought about note-takers, Jonathan? Oh, you are being controversial today. I am very, very seriously considering the hymns Polaris, which I consider to be the best note-taker. And I know a lot of people, or at least some people, will say, oh, you shouldn't use note-takers. You, sh- you should use off-the-shelf software. Well, you know what? I'm glad that there are note-takers around for those people who want them. And I'm glad that we can also use the mainstream devices. And that leads me to a question about the iPhone. I have looked in the App Store. I know there's voiceover practice in voiceover. But is there an app? There used to be. There there used to be VO Lab and there used to be one by Looktel. And they ain't there. No more. No, I don't think they are, are they? I can't find single solitary app to learn voiceover with. In other words, I'm looking for an interactive tutorial. And I don't want a game like, like uh, I, now I love the idea of blindfold games, and I'm going to get into that when I'm ready, but I don't want a Bop It game to learn voiceover. I want a tutorial, an interactive tutorial on the iPhone that I can learn voiceover with. Okay. Well... well I guess that's it for now, so toodaloo and toodaloo. have a good one. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. My view on note takers, I wouldn't go back to using one myself because I just find that the access that I get with, well, to be honest, any screen reader now in Microsoft Word is really good for my particular needs. And my particular needs are fairly advanced now i mean they were advanced when i was writing books but just the other day for example i'm working on a strategic plan uh, process for my organization that i'm ceo of uh, and we're collaborating with a whole lot of people with the senior management team it's kind of cool because you can with microsoft teams and all the new office technology you can sit in a meeting with your respective devices and all be working on the same document at once and the screen readers are keeping up. It's absolutely fantastic. Or you can use revisions and comments in a document to collaborate, not in real time. So I need all of those things. I need to be able to go through and check revisions and check comments and things. The note takers just, I don't, you know, they're not really keeping up in terms of my requirements. But that doesn't mean that they're not keeping up for other people's requirements. Even though that I would personally not use one, if a note taker would meet your needs, then... Who is anybody to really criticize that? Do whatever helps you to get the job done. I would say, though, that I, I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced they represent value for money. And I do wonder whether some of the issues we confront are more to do with training. Mosin at Large Podcast. And here's Stan Luttrell. 
He says, one of the sayings that my dad would say when we left the door open, when we went outside and it was cold, were you born in a barn? I hope that you enjoy your new gig. I love my new gig. It's very challenging. And the people are nice. They're nice to me. They, I go around the country and they bake me things full of carbs. Although one of the offices I went to the other day, they kind of radioed ahead and uh, my assistants told them that I was ketogenic and I had the most amazing lunch waiting after I had my little meeting with them and there was a Greek salad with lots of olives and things like that. And there was like, like 100% dark chocolate and um, cheeses, camembert and things. And I thought, oh, clearly they've gone to some trouble. It's very kind when people do that. So yes, I'm loving it. The equivalent of that saying, by the way, in New Zealand is, were you born in a tent? That's the saying that uh, we get here when people leave the door open. And yes, people used to say that all the time when we were kids. We Cartway over to Canada and Steve Cartway says, my brother and I spent a lot of time with my grandmother when we were young. When we misbehaved, which of course was rare. Yeah, right, Steve. <laughs> she'd say, I'll box your ears. She never did that, as I recall. That's right, I remember that one too, box your ears. I wonder where these things start. Hey, Jonathan, this is Mickey from Bismarck, North Dakota. Yo, Mickey. I am really liking this new iPhone, especially the uh, wireless charging feature and the Face ID. Although I still have my iPhone SE, but converted that into an iPod Touch. Good to hear from you, Mickey, and you're lucky that you're able to recommission your iPhone in that way. I don't get the chance to do that. Whenever I get a new iPhone, my old iPhone, there's a queue for it, a very long line of, of hungry vultures waiting to decide whose turn it is, often arguing about whose turn it is to inherit the iPhone. Face ID. That's a controversial one, isn't it? I think particularly in the blind community, but not exclusively controversial in the blind community. I think some sighted people, too, prefer the Touch ID. I don't mind Face ID. I find it very reliable. Although there is one use case where I do really miss the Touch ID, and I guess this is a blindness-specific use case, isn't it? It is when I have the phone in my pocket and the phone is talking to my hearing aids. These days I have the new Otacon open 1S hearing aids and so it's all done wirelessly and so sometimes I can just use the phone in my pocket flicking and tapping and all that kind of stuff but to unlock it I have to take it out of my pocket and show it my ugly face because otherwise I have to type in the pin which is quite lengthy, in my pocket, and that just takes too long. So I used to like the fact that in the days of Touch ID, I could do the whole thing in my pocket. You'll be pleased to hear, potentially, if you feel that you would rather have Touch ID. In the next generation of iPhones, after the one that's being announced on Tuesday, so we're looking at the ones that have 5G, they're going to look very different from the current generation. So these are the 2020 iPhones. Word is Apple has been able to crack making the Touch ID technology under the screen. So they took the home button away and therefore they took Touch ID away with it. But word is if you want to unlock your phone with your fingerprint, you'll be able to do it again. In the 2020 iPhones, 
by placing your finger on the screen. Now, I don't know whether that's going to be on a particular part of the screen or whether it's the whole screen that's going to be biometric. We don't quite know that detail yet. So would you hang out for that? Do you miss the Touch ID? Is it a big deal for you that you've got to unlock it with your face? And of course, for some people with certain eye conditions or with prosthetic eyes, some are having trouble with uh, turning the attention mode on, so they have to turn attention mode off, which does make the authentication process a little less secure because in theory, if attention mode is off, somebody could take your phone from you, hold it in front of your face and unlock it, or potentially if you're sleeping, they could hold the phone in front of your face if you have attention mode turned off to make it easier for you to unlock and unlock it that way. So there might be some blind people who will be quite pleased to see the return of the Touch ID technology. Here is Shirley Roberts, and she says, I'm very much looking forward to voice control in iOS 13 because I'm not a lover of the touchscreen. Also, as far as what we'd like to see in 13, I wish Apple would put the home button back. I just upgraded to an iPhone 8 so I could retain the home button, but I know as time goes by, I will eventually have to give up the home button if I want to continue using an iPhone. Yes, you will, Shirley, but it's not that bad. Um, swiping up, if you can borrow somebody's iPhone 10 and above, you'll find it's pretty intuitive. I would hate to go back to a home button now because it's just so intuitive to swipe up. And in fact, Bonnie feels the same way. Now, Bonnie's not one of those people who embraces all technology just for the sake of embracing it. It has to be practically beneficial to her. She's got an iPhone 8 for work now, but she's got a 10s Max for her home use. And she finds it weird that she can't do the gesture to go home on her iPhone 8 now. So it's pretty easy to get used to. What an extraordinary week it has been in the UK. And I think they're running out of superlatives, of adjectives in Britain to describe the political craziness that has been going on there. I can't tell you how many times I've heard extraordinary, eventful, momentous being applied to the parliamentary shenanigans, the gridlock that's going on. Boris Johnson has lost his first, all of the four votes he's had in Parliament since he's been Prime Minister. Dude! Yes! He's not a, not a happy Boris. Dude! He said he'd rather die in a ditch than delay Brexit, but a law is being passed that will require him to delay Brexit if he can't get a deal. So it's conceivable that he might have to go to jail if he tries to break that law. Yeah. But I thought of a wee story. I thought of a wee story. Boris has moved in, of course, to the residence of the Prime Minister in the UK, number 10 Downing Street, and he's moved in with his new partner, Carrie Simmons. So you can imagine he goes back to the little flat at number 10 Dude. after a very long and problematic day, and he says... Carrie, darling, I have to tell you, I've tried and tried, but I can't get an election. And Carrie says, don't worry, darling, you can take Viagra for that. Here is the mighty Quinn. Pam Quinn is emailing in from Iowa. A saying I just thought of that we've all probably heard is, I ought to wash your mouth out with soap. I doubt anybody ever followed through with that. 
this is me speaking now, this is Jonathan speaking. They did, you know, because it happened to me. And it was so unjust. See, you've traumatised me, Pam, by bringing back this memory, this suppressed memory. When I was at kindergarten, which in New Zealand is before you even go to school, it's like a preschool thing, so you're three or four when you go to kindergarten, I used to like making up words, you know, just making up fun words. I think a lot of kids like to do this, and I, I found words fascinating. And uh, I called another kid, I still remember this because of the consequences, I called another kid a sardi bard. I don't even know what a sardi bard is, but it's just a word I made up. And the teacher took great offense at me calling this kid this made up word and actually did hold my head and wash my mouth out with soap. It was disgusting and, and grossly unjust. I mean, it wasn't even a, a real swear word. See, all these years later, I'm traumatized by it. So, yes, I have had my mouth washed out with soap for no good reason. Anyway, <laughs> Pam continues. My mother-in-law used to say to her kids when they got too rambunctious, oh, I love that word, too much laughing ends in crying. There, there was a saying that if you cry on your birthday, you cry all year. Anyone ever hear that one? I heard that one. It used to scare the soup out of me when I might cry on my birthday. Here's Linda. She says, hello, Jonathan and listeners. Oh, that's lovely, Linda, that you assume I have listeners. How about this one? My mother used to say, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Stop crying or I'll give you something to cry. Yes, I've heard that one. I'm enjoying hearing about the new Apple features, says Linda. I must admit, I am still using my iPhone 7 for fear of losing the point of reference of that good old home button. Hello, Jonathan. This is Thomas in Ohio. Hey, Thomas. I want to first tell you how ecstatic I was when I saw Mosin at Large was launched a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've been one of your fans for the past few years. um, Thank you. And there are three major uh, events that I've come to look forward to this time of year as it relates to Jonathan Mosin. The first, of course, is the iOS without the eye, and we completely understand uh, why you have to kind of abort that mission. However, that brings me into the next two. I was elated to see the email come through today that it seems like you're going to cover on Mosin at Large um, and Mushroom FM, uh, Mosin Explosion, the Apple events and uh, things that are going to be transpiring here over the next few weeks. And I have to tell you that um, ever since you started doing that on the blind side the last few years, it's something that I really looked forward to. Um, both because it was a blast to kind of join you as you um, explored and experienced um, the new Apple offerings, uh, but also because it provided an incredible resource. Um, I'm a busy executive, and I really relied on you uh, to educate me uh, in a streamlined way about the new um, features and the new offerings as it relates to accessibility, but just also Apple at large. So uh, that's the second. And then, of course, the third, and I'm hoping uh, (laughs) that we can convince you to do this again. The the third, kind of where it all culminated for me, um, uh, just uh, with the release of uh, iOS Without the Eye, was always the exciting day when you received your very own 
um, iPhone in the oh, mail. Are you listening, Bonnie? Are you listening to this, Bonnie? Through hey, the hey, unboxing hey. and the setup, it was hey. just it was it was really exciting, See? and it was always an encouragement. The people to expected me to of me, Bonnie. Go grab the hey. phone myself and do it, and it just provided a great shortcut because. Um, yeah, that confidence level um, to kind of work through the unboxing with you uh, and and see you go through that experience. So I guess my request is, um, we already know you're going to cover the Apple events on Mosin at Large. Would you be willing this year to unbox your own wow. new iPhone product um, on the show? It would be delightful uh, to continue to be able to join you in that. Uh, even from across the world. So looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that and cannot wait to hear your reactions and your uh, responses to uh, what's happening with um, iOS 13 and the new phones and everything that's coming up here in September. And congratulations on your exciting new position as well. Well, thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you for your very generous comments, Thomas. I really appreciate that. The great state of Ohio has just been called for Thomas. This obviously means that you will be quite happy to purchase the one of the new iPhones for me. Absolutely right, yeah. Jonathan. Uh, uh, I wasn't actually intending to buy one of the new iPhones this year. So far, I have not heard a single thing that makes me think I should upgrade my 512 gigabyte iPhone XS Max. I was hoping to sit last year's out, but then the dual SIM was really useful and you know, a couple of other things, and so I decided to get that. And also, of course, when I was writing iOS without the i, it was a business expense to get the new iPhone. So I would invest a little bit of the profits from the book to getting the latest iPhone, and that seemed like an appropriate thing to do so I could write about them, you know. And often there's just a little thing that was specific to the new phone. That's the little hook that Apple has, isn't it, to try and get you to buy the new one. That There's just a little something or two that only works in the latest device. So I would buy, as a business expense, the new iPhone to write about them. Well, I'd, of course, I'm not writing iOS without the i anymore. And, oh, don't be like that. No, I'm not, I'm not writing. So... I doubt that I will be buying a new iPhone. I may be buying a new Apple Watch, but I, I will I will give you this commitment, Thomas. If I do buy any new Apple thing, we'll podcast about it on the Mosin at Large podcast. Mosin at Large podcast. Another thing that we are expecting on the new iPhones, and this may be of interest to you if you have AirPods, is we expect you will be able to put certain low requirement devices on the back of your new iPhone 11 device and charge them. Where it is, there will be a higher capacity battery in the iPhone 11 devices. So if battery life is an important thing for you, then that's significant. And that you will be able to do wireless charging. Many people now have experienced the joys of wireless charging. So many people will be able to do this by charging their AirPods on the back of their phone. So when you're out and about and your AirPods need a, need a little bit of charge, you'll be able to do that. I don't know what other devices you might be able to do that with, potentially the Apple Watch, I suppose, if you need to get a bit of extra charge for your Apple Watch while you're out and about. So that is expected to be explained some more in the Apple event as well. A suggestion that we may get a new Apple TV refresh, but again... 
that's expected if it does happen to be focused on Apple's new arcade service, the gaming service. So there may not be terribly much for voiceover users to get excited about in terms of the Apple TV. So let's see. I will talk about the Apple Watch a little bit later. That interests me. Hi, Jonathan. It's May Thompson here. Hello, May Thompson here. I've had a good week. I've had a good week. Well, I remember my mum used to say to me when I didn't like what was on my plate, she would say, eat all your food, eat all your dinner because there's children starving in Africa and they haven't got any food. And I would say, well, give it to them then. Quite right. You know, um, I could never really understand that when I was a child saying there was people that didn't have any food. Um, I knew where she was coming from, but I used to say, no, well, just why don't you give it to them then? I suppose that was a bit cheeky, really. You were a cheeky wee thing, mate. You were. the other one that my mum used to say was, the school days are the best days of your life. My dad used to say that as well. Because when I used to cry about going back to school, because it was a big traumatic thing having to go back to school and be away from home for a whole term. You didn't even get home at the weekends. And your mum wasn't allowed to visit or anything. It was terrible. Um, And... I just thought, well, why can how can school days be the best of your the best days of your life? Oh, yeah. But she used to say that. And another thing we used to do when we were at school, I don't think this would come under a childhood saying, but we had to say our prayers every night before we went to bed, and the house mother would come in and say them with us. And one particular one we used to say, I hated it. It used to be, um, this night as I lie down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I used to be scared to die, and I used to say, Mm. I don't want to die. I don't want to die before I wake. No, I didn't like that. I didn't like that, that prayer at all. Rebecca, and she's in L.A., of course, and she says, for those who are worried about losing the home button, I get it. I have made friends with my local AT&T store and they let me come in and play with the new iPhones. It's good practice. Biggie Kern says, my friend came from a family of nine kids who all slept upstairs. If their mother heard them misbehaving, she'd say, if I have to come up there, I'm going to make it worth it. She, of course, meant they'd get a spanking. So they quieted down. Here's Kim Looking Bill. She says, hi, Jonathan. Just a quick note to say hi. I've been travelling a lot. However, next trip is not until December. A saying our housekeeper would always say, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. Or don't go outside with wet hair. You'll catch a cold. Probably will not be too interested, says Kim, in the new iPhone dog and pony show, since lately Apple seems to be into all very large phones. Since travelling a lot, I prefer the iPhones you can slip into a wristlet or pocket. I don't need a phone as big as a mini computer. Well, Kim, not welcome, but well, comma, Kim, comma, (laughs) There is word yet again that Apple is getting ready to come out with a smaller phone 
to replace the iPhone SE, which was very small. I think this new one they're suggesting will come out in the second quarter of next year. I mean, the thing about the Apple rumor mill is you have to be careful about the sources. The source that this is coming from is fairly credible, so it could be a happening thing. But apparently this one will have a 4.7-inch screen, so not quite as small as the iPhone SE, but smaller than a lot of the phones that are out there now. So if you're hanging out for a smaller phone, you may have something new. Um, No word at this stage about whether it would have Face ID or Touch ID and therefore a home button or not a home button, uh, how they will position this. But... Apple is apparently suffering in certain low-budget markets, and this is one way that um, they're trying to address that deficit. So we'll wait and see whether that eventuates in Q2 of next year, and that may appeal to you. Kim also says, I don't miss the home button or ear jack plug. Gotten used to the ear pods. I have a unique situation. I don't have fingerprints, so Touch ID doesn't work for me how does that work yeah that that opens up all sorts of potential for 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 master criminality doesn't it it's really intriguing never heard of anybody not having fingerprints before Stone Luttrell says, by talking about you getting your mouth washed out with soap reminded me of something that happened to my sister my mum washed her mouth out with soap And my sister acted like it was something enjoyable. My mom never tried that with any of us ever again. Hey, Jonathan. My name is Anil. Hey, Anil. Today, I finally decided to go for iPad OS beta. And it's a worth for me. Because now... I noticed few things in it and those are positive things as of now. The first thing I noticed is that voiceover sounds are little bit softer. That is when you navigate you will hear sounds those are little bit softer. Next thing is that I got English, India, Siri and vocalizer voices and it is the dude movement for me. Also iOS has enabled every language in the world, almost every language. So going forward they may include speech to text, text to speech for all the languages. That's great. Also it is little bit faster. Yes. So far so good. I let you know that in your website the email that is Motion Consulting website the email is listed as Jonathan at 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 there is no at the rate symbol. There is at at and mushroomfm.com. So please correct it. No! That's a little advice. And hope you find it helpful about my 
iPad OS impressions. Thank you. Thank you, Anil. And yes, it is faster. People will definitely notice a speed increase. There are some subtle sonic changes there. Uh, good release. The reason why on websites a lot of places now are using the word at, written A-T, to convey an email address, is that if you put the email address in in its proper form, it becomes a hyperlink, and then what do you get? Spam, 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 spam. You get lots of spam. So that that is deliberate, Anil, and it ain't ever changing because I don't want lots of spam to come to that email address. And so by writing the email address out in that way, you convey to a human how somebody can get in touch while not making it easy pickings, for the spam bots. Hey, Jonathan, it's Mike Fair, and uh, yeah, we're certainly enjoying this afternoon's show. I would love to see Apple do, and I've advocated for that, I've sent them the suggestion more than once. I would love to see Apple do a tutorial for voiceover or for iOS devices uh, similar to what something like they had for the iMac. Um, yes, yeah. Where there was a tutorial that sort of guided you through initially when you set it up. Uh, I think that would go a long way uh, to help people discover what's possible. I've, I've bumped into a, a lot of blind people over the years who have had these devices but just not known about some basic things, even years after they've gotten them, because there, there isn't a tutorial that just gets you up and running, you know, uh, that would have been so helpful. And the other thing I'd like them to do is more about the app store. I'd love them to, uh, have a, a system for tagging apps that are accessible so that you can search and sort of go through which apps are known to be accessible with voiceover. I think that would go a long way to encouraging, especially beginner users. You are right. And I meant to mention this when Beth brought it up earlier about the tutorial. This is an area where Apple has surprisingly fallen short and when you get a mac you run voiceover for the first time in fact i don't think you even need to run it if you boot the mac up and you and you wait long enough you get this voice coming out the speaker that says and and it sort of takes you through it gives you the opportunity to do a tutorial on voiceover on the mac and off you go now if you have an android device it's the same sort of thing when you set your android device up it takes you through actually a very good tutorial on how to use TalkBack. And there are multiple lessons and it teaches you the basic gestures. And then, of course, it gets more complex until you get to the crazy angular stuff. <laughs> uh, but why is it that Apple doesn't have that tutorial in voiceover? It's a really good question. Obviously, you've got the voiceover practice, but that's not the same. You know, you've got to know how to do the gestures and... Um, and, and find out what they do. You mentioning the App Store, but of course NFB did pass a resolution to this effect that they wanted, I guess, Apple to take greater responsibility for accessibility. And it is a frustrating experience to get an app from the App Store with your iPhone that you find out is not accessible. And getting a refund is not as straightforward in iOS as it is with Android. With Android, if you find that an app is not accessible, it doesn't meet your needs for any other reason, you can get a refund, no questions asked, within a fairly generous period. And then the app just sort of disappears from your device 
and your money's refunded. It is a manual, fairly convoluted process to get the same thing done with Apple. So that would be good. And it would also be nice if there was an accessibility rating in the uh, apps and the App Store as well. And talking about the App Store, one thing that people will notice when they get iOS 13 is at the bottom of the um, App Store app, where you have the tabs, there's a new arcade tab, and that means that there is no longer an updates tab in the App Store. So how do you get it? You double tap your account at the top, your account name, and the button there tells you if there are updates available for you. A lot of people put their updates on automatic these days. I don't. I kind of feel like I'm waking up to Christmas every morning when I go in and check what apps have been updated overnight, and I like reviewing them manually. And sometimes if an app's been updated that I really depend on, and it has some scary thing like, we've completely rewritten the app from the ground up and it has a new look and feel, then sometimes I will wait and not update the app until I've heard whether it's still accessible. You know, So I, I do the manual thing. Um, so now you can go in there in your accounts and get the updates from there. But the really nice thing, if you see an update to an app, that you think, you know, I don't use this app. It's just taking up space, you know, and I'd, I'd be better off without this app. I'm going to have a, a detox of my iPhone. You can delete the app now straight from the update screen. Mosin at Large Podcast. Hello, Bonnie Mosin. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. Do you have any other sayings that you remember? <clears throat> um, someone was talking earlier about don't make me come up there. Can yeah. make it. Don't let. Don't make me have to pull the car over. That was one. Oh yeah, I remember actually, Mark Wilson telling me, because sometimes parents would say that if you don't mm-hmm. behave yourself, you're in the back of the car yeah. making lots of noise. If you don't behave yourself, I'm going to make you get out of the car and walk. Yeah. On one occasion, they did actually let Mark out and drove <laughs> away. Oh dear. Very briefly, and then yeah. came back mm-hmm. to. They give... get arrested nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that, I don't know how we all survive without DHS intervention. There you go. I was just thinking of other sayings. You know, if you're not going to run with the big dogs and stay on the porch. Gosh, I've never heard that. Oh, but I, the funny, I remember reading Bill Clinton's book mm-hmm. on the plane. What was the name of Bill Clinton's book? I don't remember. We'll He's see if we can few. see if the drinker knows. The soup drinker. What's the name of Bill Clinton's autobiography? Some popular Bill Clinton autobiographies include My Life, yeah, my Volume life. 2, The okay. Presidential Years, My Life, my life Volume 1, The Early Years. My Life. Oh, my life. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was reading this on the plane. I, get, I think I must have been doing a lot of travel for work or something. And there was this expression in the book and I just laughed so hard. I think they thought I was, der- well, I probably am deranged, yeah. but I've never heard this expression before or since. But I can imagine people in the south of the United States saying this. And it was, I wouldn't piss in his ear if his brain was on fire. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. My mother used to say <laughs> they didn't have a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out of. <laughs> Which is another one from the Middle Ages. It's just such a crazy <laughs> expression. It is. <laughs> I've never heard that one. That must have been unique to Hope, Arkansas. And getting your foot in the door. I always thought that was a funny expression. And what were you supposed to do once you got your foot in the door? One of our teachers at school got into real trouble because 
um, there was this kid holding up the like like halfway inside the music block and halfway <laughs> out, and the teacher said, "Charlie, his name was Charlie. Get your foot out of the door. You're not a Jehovah's Witness." And <laughs> Were there any Jehovah's Witnesses there? Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. You got to be so careful. Yeah, you have to be careful because a lot of them are kind of um, jump in the lake. That's right, go jump in the lake Where did that come from? I don't know You're walking the plank My mom used to say that You're walking the plank Or you're skating on thin ice We had a teacher at school Who used to um, to, to talk to us She'd talk about somebody being due for the high jump (laughs) Or being on the war path Yes The other one I never understood Until somebody explained it to me When I was well into adulthood was you can't have your cake and eat it too. And I never understood that expression as a kid because I thought, what's the point of having cake if you can't eat, eat it? it yeah. But what they actually mean is you can't, you can't, once you've eaten your cake, you, you haven't kept it because it's eaten. Yeah. But I think a better expression would have been you can't keep your cake and eat it too. too. Yeah, you can't but, you know, what's the point of having cake if you're not able to eat the cake? It was yeah. a very strange expression. Podcast. I promised that we would talk about Apple Watch, so let's have a look at that. Of course, the big features of WatchOS 6, which will be out in around about a week or so, is independence, making the Apple Watch more standalone so that somebody could buy an Apple Watch who doesn't necessarily want, for whatever reason, an eye thing. And so there'll be an app store, right? On your Apple Watch, you'll be able to download updates to your Apple Watch without having to pair with your phone and go through the um, Watch app. And there are rumors that Apple is working on sleep tracking technology that could be announced as early as this event. So this is one to watch for the Apple events coming up on Tuesday. Are we going to see the unveiling of built-in sleep tracking technology. And you do have to feel a little bit sorry for some of these third parties. I mean, Tile must be feeling very worried. There are also third-party apps that have specialized in pretty good sleep tracking technology. There's one that I've been using called Sleep Plus Plus. Haven't used it for a while, but when I last used it, it was really accessible and it would detect your sleep and give you statistics that would go right into the health app. But Apple is apparently working on sleep tracking that's going to be built into the operating system. Now, this does not necessarily mean that we're suddenly going to get a huge extension of battery life in the new Apple Watches. And word is that the new Apple Watches are going to be fairly minimal in terms of their increased functionality this year. In New Zealand, we don't have the cellular Apple Watch yet. None of the carriers support it. So that's what I am holding out for. I'm really hoping we will get that. But the sleep tracking technology would work well for me if it's built into the operating system because I use the Apple Watch this way anyway. I always sleep with my Apple Watch on. And the reason for that is that when I take my hearing aids out, if I'm sleeping deeply, I might not hear the alarm, even when the iPhone is at its most loud and at its most obnoxious alarm sound. Sometimes I might not hear it. So when I've done my exercises and I've achieved all my goals, I put it on charge. Also, when I'm taking a shower in the morning, I put it back on charge then. And I find that just putting it on charge for an hour or so after the goals are done and before bedtime means I've got a full charge when I go to sleep and I set my alarm and the 
vibrations on my wrist are enough to wake me when it's time to wake up. Genius! So if they are going to be introducing the sleep tracking technology into the Apple Watch, they are going to have to, I guess, assist people with their behavior modification. Doing the battery charging, I guess, the way that I've been doing it for a long time anyway, so that you do wear your Apple Watch to bed and you've got sufficient charge to last you through the day. But you do see this with Apple, that they see how a third-party app is doing and how popular it is, and then they swoop in and basically try and take the market share away. But there's always something that adds value. For example, the Reminders app in iOS 13 has been completely rewritten, and it's really not too bad at all. But I've been playing with a couple of reminder-type task management apps because they're really important in my work. If I don't put everything in one of these apps, I just don't keep track. I learned that the hard way. So I put a lot in there. And at first I was using OmniFocus, which was recommended to me, and it's really good. But then I learned about Todoist. Interesting name for an app, one word, to do, and then IST at the end. And one of the big benefits of Todoist over OmniFocus is the natural language parser that it has so you can go to an edit box and you can type um i don't know something like um complete strategic planning document by and then you can put a date in and then you can actually tag people like they were on twitter so you could put at and then you can type in a label and then you can put the hashtag the number sign and the name of a project so all from the edit box you can create tags that apply to certain people. So when I'm having meetings with my staff, with my senior management team, I have tasks in my Todoist app that are tagged with their name because I need their assistance or I need to check on something. So I just bring up the tag with their name and all the tasks in my app tagged with them are in one place. Absolutely super duper. And then I have different projects, one for Mushroom FM, one for work, one for home, and everything goes into the right place. And you can do this all from the one edit box. Whereas with an app like OmniFocus, you have to manually do a lot of these things. And the Reminders app is pretty good. It's got a natural language parser in iOS 13. So you can say something like, take out the trash every Monday at 7 a.m. And it will automatically interpret that correctly. What you don't appear to be able to do is to tag individuals or create, create labels. You can create lists but that's not quite the same because you might have a work list and then you want to tag a whole bunch of people within that work list. So Todoist and OmniFocus, for that matter, are still a little bit more powerful than the Reminders app. But then, of course, you've got the Siri integration, which is so slick in the Reminders app that's an incentive as well. So it's a tough decision, but there is quite a lot uh, that you can do in the new Reminders app. And when you get your iOS 13, if you don't have it yet, one of the things you notice is that whenever you go into an app that's received substantial changes, you will get a little pop-up the first time you run that app. So you go into messages or reminders or whatever, and it will tell you that um, here's what's new in the app. So that's a pretty good feature. But still no voiceover tutorial. Jonathan Mosen, Mosen at Large Also in Apple Watchland, here's something that we're not going to see this coming event, but 
I find it interesting to take a look at the Apple patents, or as the Americans like to say, patents. Patents. To find out what's coming down the pipe. And there was some very interesting Apple patents that have come out recently to do with the Apple Watch. For example, Apple is uh, patenting a new Apple Watch band. And uh, this is definitely a smart Apple Watch band. It's got biometric authentication. So basically, when you put the band on, it knows about your skin type, all the little blemishes that make your skin yours. And if it recognizes you, then it says, I know you, and it unlocks your Apple Watch without you having to do anything further. The other thing it does, this new patented Apple Watch band, is it self-tightens. So there might be a couple of scenarios where this might happen. If you launch the workout app and you start a workout, then it's important to measure your heart rate and your workout that it's nice and tight on your wrist. So at that point, the band would tighten itself on your wrist. It can also be set to be location-specific. So when you get to the gym, it will automatically tighten for you based on the geolocation. Pretty slick. And then when you leave or when you stop your workout, it would loosen again. Absolutely remarkable. Now, there are some other technology things to tell you about that are not Apple-related. Believe it or not, there are Apple. there are rather technology companies. Western Digital, for example, has uh, released this week a new My Passport series of drives. These are these USB-powered drives. The new My Passport drives are very slim, and now you can get them with up to five, I mean, five terabytes of storage. That is massive, isn't it? So you can be walking around with five TB of stuff in your backpack. Before I got a laptop with a lot of solid state storage, when I was doing a lot of remote broadcasting, I would take one of these Western Digital drives with me with my music and I just plug it into the USB drive, map it with the same drive letter as the network drive I use when I'm here in the studio and I could just keep going. So now you can have up to five terabytes of storage. And one of the interesting things about iOS 13, and particularly iPad OS 13, when you've got an iPad with sufficient grunts to do this, you should be able to plug a device like this into at least your iPad and get five terabytes of storage on there and use it through the Files app and rock out to your music or your photos or whatever you would like to do. So that is pretty slick. Also in tech news this week, Sonos has announced three new devices. Two kind of, including the, um, the, the Sonos One XL, which is basically a version of the Sonos One, their small speaker, without mics. This suits people who don't want to use Google Home or their soup drinker with the... Stop! With the... Um, with their Sonos. So this is going to replace the Sonos Play 1, essentially. New technology. It's got AirPlay. So if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you can tell Siri to play a particular track straight to your Sonos with the AirPlay. And you couldn't do that with the old Play 1. Then they have an updated version of the Sonos Connect, which is a pretty niche product. And they're calling that the Sonos Port. That helps you to integrate older kind of analog technologies with Sonos. 
And that also has airplay too and a couple of other bells and whistles, so that's good. But the one that people are talking about is Sonos's first move into some degree of portability. And this is called, ironically enough, the Sonos Move. It sounds like a big kahuna. It weighs six pounds. It's got a little handle at the back. So I don't know if you'd want to put this in a backpack, but the idea of this is that if you were, say, having a barbecue outside or something like that, you can take it out. It's got Wi-Fi. It's got mics. So, yes, you can use your Google Home or your soup drinker with it. Stop! And um, it's got Bluetooth. This is a big departure for Sonos. This is their first device that has Bluetooth. So if you're not within Wi-Fi range to take advantage of the normal Sonos functionality, you can Bluetooth it to your device and play music that way. AirPlay 2. And it uh, has 10 hours of battery functionality coming in, I think, at three is it 3.99 for the Sonos Move. And that will be available on, I think, around the 24th of September. So it'll be interesting to see how the Sonos Move goes and what else we might see from the Sonos crew. you got super-sounding Sonos technology, now with a kind of a portable option. Pretty excited about that. Jonathan Mosen, Mosen at Large Podcast. Have you heard about the iRobot Terra? And because of my accent, I'll make that clear that it's T-E-R-R-A, not not Terra as in this is petrifying the soup out of me. Oh, I'm sorry for swearing. Uh, Terra as in, I guess, Terra Firma. This is a new device from iRobot. These are the guys who make the Roomba. And the iRobot Terra, due in 2020, mows your lawns. Whoa. Yeah, it's a lawn mowing robot. You define the range of your lawn, the parameters of it, with a bunch of wireless beacons. And you teach the robot which is your lawn. Because I guess you could get into some strife if the robot trolleys on off and mows someone else's lawn when they don't want it mowed or something. Or you could be doing them a favor. But anyway, you set, you set it up with these beacons. It mulches the grass. So it doesn't collect little bits of grass in it. It, it. it mulches it, which is quite sensible. It's also got some theft protection technology in there. So if your iRobot Terror is hooning around your lawn mowing it when you're away or not watching it, and somebody thinks, what a cute little robot. I want it for my lawn, and I shall take it at once and make it mine. It will stop working. It knows, I guess, based on apparently the beacons, but I think also on geolocation, that it has been moved. And when it has been significantly moved, it needs refactoring, sort of reconfiguring. So all very clever stuff. Have you had much experience with these robotic vacuum-type technologies, whether it be Roomba or otherwise? Because there are a few of them around, aren't there? There's Nito, and then there is uh, Roomba, which has been around a long time, and I used a Roomba a long time ago, and it was all right. But, of course, like all this technology, it's come a long way. You can control it with your various devices, your smart devices. 
and they have an app. I don't know how accessible the iRobot or the, the Roomba app is, but it sounds pretty intriguing. A lot of people pay somebody to do their lawns, don't they? A lot of blind people do. And I know not exclusively. There are blind people who do mow their own lawns. I've never done it myself. I don't mind getting in there and um, playing with the with the technology and geeking out that way. But no, this is more of a manual, more of a manual task. So I tend not to not to do it. So we have a man who comes and mows our lawns. But what do you reckon? Is this iRobot Terra thing a starter? Coming to us in 2020. It'll be interesting to watch. Hey, Jonathan. It's Petra again. Hi, Petra Uh, again. I do have a Roomba. I've had it for about a year. It's not the most sophisticated, but I really like it, and I have found the company wonderful to work with with any kind of problem. They uh, respond very well. I've had to replace a few parts, and they send them out quickly. I haven't had to pay for them. Uh, when they were repair things. So I really like mine, and I have three cats and a dog. My daughter has five dogs and um, a skunk and a bird. And uh, (laughs) she has a Roomba also, and we both love them. Uh, The app seems to be pretty accessible. I haven't played with all of it, maybe, but so far, and I'm not the most technological person, but the app seems to be pretty good also. Hello, Jonathan. I was writing an email and Outlook ate it. That's and preposterous. Didn't keep it, so that was very nice. It so I'll go good. ahead and say what I was going to say. There you go. Um, Shark has a robot vacuum of some kind, and their actual uh, manual vacuums, I guess we'll call them, are highly well regarded. I used to live with someone who had a Roomba. It was an 800 something, and this was a couple of years ago, so it wasn't app controlled. And um, when the device would die and couldn't make it back to the charger because it was a very open plan um, condo unit we were in, then it would forget the schedule. So you'd get him, you'd find him wherever he was, put him back on the dock, and you'd be asleep and all of a sudden, you know, someone godly hour of the morning, it would wake up because (laughs) its clock had robot amnesia. exactly what it was. It was a a robot toddler. so it would be really scary. And... um, when it does make it to the dock uh, itself, it plays this little do 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 do, and it sounds so self-satisfied and, and happy with itself that it managed to uh, vacuum and make itself back to its home. And it Share was just and the most adorable thing. Yeah. So uh, I I did uh, I did like that. And that wraps up the Mosin at Large podcast for this week. I hope you enjoy the Apple event if it's something that you're looking forward to. And to be in touch with the podcast, drop me an email, jonathan at mushroomfm.com. Either write it down or attach an audio clip or call the listener line, 864-60-MOSIN in the United States. Mosin.